my name is Roger Bathari and I'm a community pharmacy contractor in Bromley. I am also chair of Pharmacy London, which is a federation of 12 London local pharmaceutical committees. And we're here today to talk about, ask about asthma and everything you needed to know how to look after asthma patients in pharmacy across all sectors. I'm delighted to be joined here by Darush and Sukeshi, who will be talking about how they take care or their asthma patients in primary care and secondary care, respectively. So there are many levers, contractual levers, that each healthcare professional has, whether they're in general practice or in community pharmacy or in secondary care, that allow us to help our asthma patients. So in community pharmacy, you have the New Medicine Service, NMS, uh, you have the Pharmacy Quality Service, PQS, and you obviously have a contractual community pharmacy framework, which all are designed to look and review at patients that take salbutamol inhalers and over the other use of them, and are they using their inhaled corticosteroid inhalers? So all these levers are there for us to bring health professionals together to ensure that we provide care for our asthma patients. So if you look at the long-term NHS long-term plan. Uh, it's a collaboration of partnership across uh, the healthcare sector. So in Southeast London, we have a project whereby the CCG and the OPC are working together to sort of target young adults and children with asthma and teach them inhaler technique and provide them with spaces if they haven't got them without the need of a prescription. So the SLA the service level agreement was written in such a way and community pharmacy, when he sees a, uh, a young person or a young adult, they're able to give them a space of device to use with their inhaled corticosteroids and advise them on their technique. We're going to record all that and from the data, where, which will be evaluated, see how we can improve asthma services to patients and see how we are able to utilise these the contractual levers that we have within the frameworks to provide better care. So I'm delighted to have, as I said earlier, Darush and Sukeshi with us today. Uh, Darush, would you like to introduce yourself and talk about how within primary care you're able to help your asthma patients? Thanks Raj. My name is Darush and I'm a respiratory pharmacist, part of the um, Children Young People's uh, Asthma Network in Northwest London. And I've been supporting a lot of um, primary care network pharmacists, those working in GP practices, as well as um, uh, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians as well in uh, community pharmacy as well, around baby steps to improving asthma right care. So um, you've spoken a lot about the um, quality indicators, for example, in community pharmacy. And the good thing is in primary care as well, we have um, things like the quality uh, outcomes framework, which is also called QOF, which looks at things like um, asthma control, a number of exacerbations a child may have had in the last 12 months, the importance of personalised asthma action plans and inhaler technique, but also holistically looking at the wider aspects of, for example, secondhand smoke exposure. But more recently, we've also got the um, Investment and Impact Fund. There's been a lot of activity around that across the practices. There's four respiratory indicators. Two of them are looking at the environmental impact 
of inhalers. And um, I think there's a huge opportunity. You mentioned this earlier around um, the use of short acting beta 2 agonists. And there's a huge amount of um, prescribing of these particular inhalers in, in primary care. So it's trying to address any potential overprescribing. And in asthma, this particular inhaler should only be used in emergency situations. Just like the blue colour suggests, it's like a, the blue siren of an ambulance, only in emergency situations. But the other two indicators as well, where there's um, quality indicators, but there's also um, funding behind this as well, looks at um, particular patients that may be risk of having an exacerbation. So if they're on, for example, six of these uh, canisters over a 12 month period, then they may be at higher risk of um, having an asthma attack. And also those patients or children, young people who are using fewer than, for example, uh, three of the inhaled corticosteroids over a 12 month period as well. So lots of lots of things for us in primary care that we can do to assess um, keeping our asthma patients as safe as possible. One of the things I would also talk about is very important is the safe disposal of uh, inhalers. So there's a lot of encouragement around um, ensuring patients are not overordering medications, but also ensuring that they are returned to the community pharmacy for safe disposal. Ideally, prescribing inhalers with dose counters on them as well, wherever possible. But if they don't have dose counters, then recognising when the inhalers are empty. And finally, what I'd say, there's still lots and lots of things we can talk about, but the, I think the most important thing we really do need to think about is, and you mentioned this in community pharmacy, is the importance of inhaler coaching, making sure that we've got really good, skilled workforce who can actually coach a patient on using their device in the right way. And when you're thinking of a child, for example, who's maybe used to using a spacer, a meter dose inhaler via tidal breathing technique, and you'll may, as they're getting a bit older, you might be considering, for example, a dry powder inhaler. It's very important to understand that um, we need to assess, choose and train. And this is really important that this is done following the sort of UK inhaler group standards and looking at our national bundle of care, not putting any of our patients at risk. So that's just a sort of snapshot of what I've been doing recently in, in primary care. Thank you very much, Jerush. That sounds really, really interesting. And uh, I think if you've, you've highlighted some key points there about inhaler coaching, and also I think we have to look at uh, training ourselves as healthcare professionals to maintain that uh, level of expertise to ensure that our patients are able to use their inhalers correctly. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, and now on to Sukeshi. Sukeshi, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Raj. Hi, Darush. Yes, I'm Sukeshi. Um, I work as a paediatric uh, respiratory pharmacist at the Brompton and Evelina hospitals. And um, as hospital pharmacists, we also have a role to play in this. And it's a great opportunity for us and quite exciting for us to get involved in this. And usually when patients come to us, they're in a slightly different position to primary care. They might have come in as an emergency or they might 
just have come in because they've been unwell. But it is a good time as a touch point to just check their basics, check the patient's own medication. Is it expired? Is it empty? Is it the correct device for that patient? Are they using the correct spacer? Do they have an asthma action plan? And we can be there to provide education on how medications work and how to obtain their repeat uh, medication. And it's quite a good idea to signpost them to things like the NHS app. In addition to that, as mentioned by Raj, we like to be involved in the transfer of care and integration of services and we can do that through the discharge medicine service and make referrals to primary care through our discharge medicine service when patients are in clinics and we're seeing patients in clinics again we can make referrals to our primary care colleagues on the NMS, the new medicine service, so that the education that we have all provided in hospital is consolidated further in primary care. And just like Darush mentioned about sustainability and returning medication to pharmacies, we can encourage them to take it either to their pharmacies or return it to us for safe disposal. I know that I've had a patient bringing in 12 ceratide inhalers to me and I was like oh have they actually been taking their medication and again here we can look at prescription uptakes and look at their adherence to medication some hospitals now use smart inhalers that can uh, provide objective data of medication taken. However, we can still use uh, prescription uptakes or medication possession ratios to check that they've taken their medication. In addition to that, we are involved in our EDs about 24-hour discharge communications and in our clinics in terms of the annual reviews. And in addition to that, what is even more exciting is we now have a pathway of training of what we're actually required to do to get to different competencies. There is now a competency framework that is outlined for us in different tiers that we can do either at a basic level or as clinical specialists at a higher level. So lots and lots of exciting things going on in hospitals that we as pharmacists can have a big impact in. Thank you. Thank you, Sugashi. I think it'd be remiss of us if we didn't mention the National Bundle of Care for Children and Young People with Asthma. Uh, a valuable document which adds to uh, asthma care uh, in, in the sector. I think what you've kind of highlighted is the barriers that we need to break between sectors. I think kind of achieved this during the pandemic when we had uh, pharmacists from all the sectors coming together, working together uh, and making sure that they're able to solve problems quickly and at scale and at pace. And I think that kind of uh, legacy has stayed with us. And I think it will improve as we move forward. Um, and, you know, we've, we've got to, you mentioned about returning inhalers and, and uh, medicines back. I think we've got to also think about the environmental impact and to make sure that the NHS is sustainable as we move forward. And 
I know many of the uh, CCGs have got uh, medicines optimization programs. Uh, they have overprescribing uh, programs, all adding to ensure that we have value for the NHS. Dhrush. I'm going to say around the when we're thinking about greener um, respiratory healthcare or greener prescribing, it's uh, as you mentioned, it's far more than uh, inhalers. It's this whole thing around meds optimization um, is really key. So. I think um, earlier on we we're talking about the overuse or overprescribing of short-acting beta-2 agonists, but most importantly, I find actually, if a patient has got good respiratory con control, um, good asthma control, then that's not only great for the patient but also great for the planet. And it's really important that um, in no circumstances should we be changing people's inhalers without uh, any form of shared decision making going on. Oh, that, that's, that's absolutely critical. Uh, um, one of the other things that I also wanted to mention was the NACAP report, which is the National Asthma and Chronic Obstructive Pulmonary Disease Audit Programme. And this set out some key priorities for secondary care, which I forgot to mention, of which one of them included recording our smoking status of parents and young people as well. We can therefore make referral for um, nicotine replacement therapies as well. So I just thought I'd, I'd add that in. Uh, yeah, uh, I think what you're referring to is the new advanced uh, community pharmacy service. It's called smoking cessation transfer of care. Um, I, I was quite astonished to find out that the prevalence of smoking within the hospital community per se is much higher. We had a presentation by uh, NHS England London Region which kind of advised that the prevalence within the hospital community is around about 30% whereas in the community is much lower. Now I guess that will be the case because they're ill and uh, smokers tend to have uh, higher uh, rates of sort of illness so, so that will be expected but that's another a link between secondary care and primary care and community pharmacy where the transfer of care of a patient wanting to quit smoking is then uh, transferred in, into community pharmacy where they, where they then go into the smoking association program which is a national program Okay, I was just wondering if there's any other last comments, Sugeshi or Duresh, you'd like to make as we as we wrap up this uh, really interesting podcast, Duresh. Just on the um, whole uh, thing around smoking, um, I think just a, a real, real important reminder that it takes 30 seconds to ask, advise and act. Um, it was shocking to know in the National Review of Asthma deaths that um, around a third of the children that died in that uh, report were living with smokers so the importance of looking at secondhand smoke exposure is important so asking a person if they smoke or live with a smoker advising them that the best way to stop is with a combination of support and treatment and then acting which is signposting to the support that's available thank you Joyce. Actually, that ties in quite nicely with what I was going to mention, and that is about air pollution. Um, there is a, a huge agenda on air pollution, increased risk of asthma and asthma deaths related to air pollution, and having those conversations with parents and carers about 
um, air pollution, what sort of things they can do. Thank you. Uh, something just comes to my mind. I, I, I was sitting in a meeting and uh, one, one of the doctors said that, you know, when it comes to Guy Fawkes night, the week before preceding that, they send out text messages to their uh, asthmatics to say, to make sure that you're, you've got enough inhalers co coming up to uh, Guy Fawkes night because they always find that Guy Fawkes nights triggers off semi asthma attacks in, in, in young children and adults. That they sort of prepare them for those things. I was just, and they're also sort of now looking at other other aspects where you may have more asthma happening. Jerish, just a very last point, which yeah. is around just what Sakeshi and yourself have been speaking about around um, the Ask About Asthma campaign. The fourth ask is actually around um, for every asthma conversation, we need to be including and considering uh, air pollution. So I just wanted to wrap up with the um, with that part around the fourth ask about the Ask About Asthma campaign. And that point brings us very neatly to the close of the podcast. I think we've got to take a very holistic view of how we treat our asthma patients. It's also at the micro level where there's an interaction between the clinician and the patient and at the macro level where it's the environment that, ha that we want to have to deal with. I'm delighted that Darush and Sakeshi were able to join us and I want to thank them. Thank you very much for listening and please do visit Ask About Asthma website for more podcast content and to view the full schedule. Thank you very much and goodbye.